Welcome back to Beer Time with Books. I feel like that's the first time we've said the title of the podcast in like oh, multiple yeah. episodes. Yeah. I feel like I heard it when I listened. Oh, your... who's that? Oh, oh, hello. Who is that? Oh. <laughs> hello, uh, I'm taking over. We we have been uh, referencing the new guest that's going to be on for this particular episode for a long time. I feel like did that's you also hear been. I did. Yeah, I was like so excited. Several episodes ago, there are multiple shout outs, yes. but uh, we do have a new guest, and we're going to get around and introduce everybody. Uh, this is going to be the first episode of the Underground Railroad. It's good to be back. Good to be back on a book that people seem to be enjoying again, <laughs> uh, which is pretty nice. But uh, yeah, we're going to go around and do the classic corner of what are you drinking? And we're going to start with our new guest name and what you're drinking. Hello, Emily is my name. I'm drinking. I don't need to look, but I'm going to look a Boulevard wheat beer. Unfiltered. Unfiltered oh. wheat beer from the quick trip down the street. So is there? There's no filtered. That's just their thing, right? They just they just want you to know. Yeah, they want you to know it's unfiltered. Yeah, they're just they're just really important. pushing yeah. that, it's that it's agenda hard. It's just like, look, guys, this is what it is. No filter. Nice. This is Danny. Um, I'm drinking a Boulevard Hefeweizen. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Wheat ale. Yeah, we're we're doing a whole Boulevard section here. Uh, I'm Brian. Uh, I'm doing a uh, Flora Obscura. I'm doing it. Uh, <laughs> this is a dry hopped porter. I've never heard of that before. Uh, this was in a Boulevard variety pack. It's actually pretty good. I don't really yeah, I know like what it. a dry hopped porter entails, but uh, I'm liking it pretty well. 5.8 alco- uh, 5.8% alcohol. Nice. Pretty good. Nice. You're doing it. You're doing I'm it. doing it. I'm beer. doing this I've, beer. Yeah. I've never done Flora Obscura. Oh, you <laughs> um, tasted it last night. I've never done it though. Oh yeah, fair. That's true. It's a different experience. <laughs> different experience. Uh, hi, this is Jamie. I'm drinking also a Boulevard, but a blonde ale from the Tasting Room series. Um, it's pretty good. Yeah, we all grabbed a different one from the variety pack on accident. I don't think that that was actually planned. No. Um, but yeah, it's good to have some variety and good to see if uh, these beers are going to make it on the upcoming uh, season finale where we rank the beers of every episode. Uh, I'm my Michelob Ultra is going to be at the top. Yes, the top. <laughs> I can tell you. All right. Somebody, also, can somebody, somebody, somebody just stopped one. listening. Somebody just Amen. stopped listening to the podcast. Come back. Because of that. <laughs> Also, Boulevard, please sponsor us. Yeah. Pass <laughs> Boulevard. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, what everybody's drinking, and now uh, also a classic. I mean, you already know this, Emily. You've done your research from what uh, what you told us, but we have our, our uh, next little oh, section yeah. here of what is the recent media you've been consuming. Recent? Why am I starting? Because you're the, you're you're the guest of uh, honor. Okay. I <laughs> I did not mean to. Uh, I'm excited. Oh, I'm excited uh, to right, share I'm my media. Leave. Sorry, guys. Um. <laughs> So I have been, I'm going to narrow it down to watching and listening because I am in brain dead mode and I'm not doing anything educational until I have to for the school year. Nice. So I am watching Veep. Almost done with it. Oh man. It is so good. We We still have a couple seasons left. The beginning seasons are so good. Yes. Very, very good. Um, And Schitt's Creek, which is phenomenal. Hilarious. I don't know where Catherine O'Hara has been. Since Home Alone, but she sleeping. is she's been sleeping, and we've been sleeping, we've been sleeping on her <laughs> because she's so fucking funny. Her wigs, man. Um, yes, and I've been listening to The Vampire Weekend a lot. Um, boom, boom. 
Father of the Bride specifically, and I just discovered Lake Street Dive, and I'm upset that I didn't know them before, and I've been listening to them a lot. So nice. That's what I'm watching and listening. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Um, this is Danny. I have been... Oh, I just finished um, yesterday the HBO series Gentleman Jack. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. heard of it. I heard it's good. Um, it's phenomenal. Uh it is about i've read a lot about it this weekend so i'm going to try not to overshare but um it's about um this woman from the ni- the early 19th century named ann lister um and she was a super unique um woman uh because she uh owned property um she was left property by some relatives um so she basically had like uh this this place called Shibden Hall that she was famous for um, totally taking over and like renovating and um, she was known for being like a very commanding female presence in a society um, that like offered no rights to women at all. Um, She also uh, detailed her entire life from the time she was 15 um, until she died when she was 50 um, in journals. She wrote over 5 million words uh, over like 35 years um, and also included uh, 14 travel diaries during this time and she most importantly detailed all of her sexual exploits with women during this time most and it Ooh. most importantly most importantly she was like a very she's like a very historic famous lesbian and it was like during a time when uh being a lesbian was so not even a thing people could conceptualize or even bother to that like they didn't even bother criminalizing it because like homosexuality between men was criminalized um, but like they didn't, they were just like, oh, women would never. Mm-hmm. And they actually like um, encouraged young women to like form close friendships uh, in order to stave off like premarital sex and like um, babies before marriage. Um, so they were like, no, go with your girlfriends. And then, then little did they know <laughs> that some of them were actually gay. So um, she had a lot of uh, like female relationships. Um, during her whole life and then she eventually um got married uh not legally but um they uh like she and this woman had like their own commitment ceremony in a little church uh and they were married for like 10 years and um she details all of it in her journals they're super like they were all in code um and they're all like kind of dirty uh and she like talks all about like uh, she like codes very heavily like all of these sexual exploits um anyway the hbo series (laughs) is great i'm obsessed i've read so much about it uh, in the last two days um and uh i also just finished um the book the cuckoo's calling uh by robert galbraith which is the pseudonym for jk rowling um and it's just a british crime novel you had already read that i read the second one we talked about the pen name during the last episode when we were talking about crime. oh yeah i don't know if i started that's that's why it was brought up I had read a French crime novel last time. So I started this one. It's the first, uh, it's one of two or maybe three now in the series of her crime novels. Um, And it was great. I liked it. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Since the last episode, I've finished the first two books from James Joyce. Pleasure to read. Uh, I like Dubliners a lot more than... Uh, portraits as what is it? I always get it mixed up. <laughs> Portrait of the artist. Okay. Young man. Yeah, I like Dubliners Portrait a lot more, um, but <laughs> they, they were both pretty good, and I'm excited to eventually uh, get into some of his other stuff. But obviously, there's like a lot of baggage there. But it was cool, like after being in Ireland and seeing uh, how much they, you know, put importance on him. 
Uh, it was just kind of nice to dive into that. And then also uh, I explained this to Jamie last night about like trying to uh, trace back how I got here, but I have been like deep diving into English football, like so, 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 so hard. And I was like, well, like, how did this even go down? So what happened was before we went on our trip, uh, the World Cup was on. I was getting into it, the uh, Women's World Cup, and like that was super fun to watch. And then we went to Europe. Uh, it was my first time ever going to Europe, and uh, like I came back and uh, just wanted to like first of all still like keep a connection over there because it was like cool to see that way of life. And then also like <laughs> one of the bigger things that I saw last night is that it's like escapism for me of like being here. I'm just like I need to like be somewhere else and so i've been following pretty hard i have two teams i've been watching liverpool fc and uh the wolverhampton wanderers and uh, that's the shirt i'm wearing right now is the the wolves oh yeah i i'm like deep into it i've watched multiple games already uh it's been ryan likes something he really no i i totally get that just like obsessing about it researching it and then you're like a super fan after oh yeah i really order that shirt oh i i've like watched multiple games i've like looked at the history i got everything so i told jamie like my obsessions a lot of times if it's an active obsession like all of that energy goes into like mastering a new skill but if it's a passive obsession all it is is just like Consuming. I'm gonna learn yep. every like single fact I can about all this and so I know like deep into the history of both of those clubs and various other things but it's been super fun I will, it's the beautiful game guys it's um, the beautiful game uh, actually Pele the great the great uh, <laughs> Brazilian the footballer great. Pele the great. he uh, coined silence. the beautiful game so <laughs> anyway that's been uh, that's been the deal recently um hi this is Jamie uh, Brian and I just watched, started watching the third season yes. of Glow, uh, which is on HBO. No, Netflix. Netflix. Uh, and I really like Glow. I think it's fun. We're only a few episodes in, and the first er, the first few episodes of the season haven't enthralled me as of yet. There have been a few good plot there's, points. There's been a couple moments that have been like... Like oh shit moments. I yeah, guess. but it, it's a different... getting into like more serious issues, I suppose. Yeah, bit. it's a different vibe this season because they're in Las Vegas rather than Los Angeles, um, so it's just different. But I really like Glow, Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling, Allison Brie is a national treasure. Um, <laughs> she is still like amazing. She's so everything good. that she's in because like we love Community. She's been in that. She was in Mad Men. Like she's yeah. oh, she's, she's fantastic. so great. Um, and I've been reading <coughs> Educated by Tara Westover. Um, I was supposed to read the whole book <laughs> uh, before a grad class that I took this summer, and I still <laughs> haven't finished it, and the grad <laughs> class is over. But I am enjoying it. I'm, I'm halfway through. I think it's divided into two parts, and I just finished the first part. So um, it's good. It's a memoir about a woman. Who grew up in a survivalist Mormon family and never went to school um, until college. And it's good. I like it. It's interesting. It's sad. It's very sad. It's um, a great book, though. Yeah, I know Emily read it in like a day and cried. I did. I was at a coffee shop and at least 10 people saw me bawling. Like there was the glass <laughs> window and this, like looking at me. 
and I was outside just sobbing, like wiping my tears three different times. I'm like, and that was in part two, so maybe. Yeah, I'm not. Maybe, maybe I'll get there. (laughs) Maybe I'll get there. I haven't, I haven't cried, but there have been some really dark moments. Yeah, Um, definitely. So that's that's mostly it. I've been playing Minecraft. Nice. Love that. Yeah, she's been playing Minecraft while I've been playing FIFA. So, yeah, appropriately, <laughs> yeah, appropriately playing FIFA. Um, so yeah, it's been good times. Uh, so we are officially back with a new book this week. This is our sixth book now. I'm pretty sure. Yes, because yours will be the seventh, Three. and that will round out the season. Uh, so yeah, this is our sixth book. It's pretty exciting to uh, be this deep. We've almost been doing this for. I guess it's been three-fourths of a year because we started this in, like, November or something. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we've been going for wow. a while. Glad to have Emily on board. But we are going to be talking about Jamie's pick for this episode, so I'll let her talk about that and uh, dive a little bit more into a summary. Hi. Yeah. Um. So the book that we are reading is The Underground Railroad by Colson Whitehead. Um, I had read one other book by Colson Whitehead before this, Um. And I know he has a few others out right now that I would also like to read. Um, but One just came out like, like three yeah, weeks like ago. A few, like, yeah, a few Nickel weeks Boys. ago. Mm-hmm. Nickel Boys, which looks interesting. But the um, the other book that I read by him, I read in college for a, a class. Uh, it was a 20th century American literature course focused on superheroes and monsters. Um, and that book was a zombie apocalypse novel. So this is much different. Um, and I didn't really know what to expect because I had read that the zombie apocalypse novel was all I knew of Colson Whitehead for a long time because I read it for college and it was interesting. It's like a really good zombie apocalypse novel. It's very like cerebral and the, the main characters, uh, like super depressed and trying to figure out how to live his life. But this was a much different, so I was interested yeah. to get into no, that. No zombies thus far. We don't no know. No zombies, We're but it through. still kind of has a similar tone. I don't know. I want to talk about the tone because I I, I don't know. But uh, it's the Underground Railroad. It's about the Underground Railroad and slavery um, in America, but the Underground Railroad is a literal railroad in the book. Um, so there's a little bit of like a modern twist. Uh, we are following... How far about are we, just so people know? Oh, we read to page 163. We're about halfway-ish. We're like a little we over are about halfway, halfway I think. As, as per usual. Um, but we're following, I would say, two main characters. Um, Cora and Caesar, who were slaves on a plantation in the South. I can't remember. Was it Georgia? I think it's Georgia. Yeah, Georgia. Um, and Cora was born there, and that was all she ever really knew. And her mom had escaped at some point, but Caesar uh, had lived a like semi-free life before he was brought there. Um, and the first part of the book talks a lot about the plantation and how the plantation runs and the owners of it and the um, travesties and violence on the plantation. Through multiple generations, too, which was cool. Yeah. It's not just Cora's mother, but her grandmother as well. So we get to see, first of all, how institutionalized it is, but just to see, like, how much things really didn't change. Yeah. Um, and her her grandma, whose name is escaping me. Ajari. 
Yes. Ajari. Um, she was taken on a slave ship from Africa, so we get to see sort of that process, too, uh, through some of her memories of her grandmother. Um, but the, like, first thing that we are told at the beginning of the book is that Caesar has approached Cora with a proposition. Um, he would like to run away. Uh, the first line of the book says the first time Caesar approached Cora about running north, she said no. I love that. It's good. Yeah. Great opening line. It's a good one. Is that on the mug? <laughs> <laughs> the the mug's should, outdated now. It should be it's, on the it's, mug, it's honestly. Out, it's outdated I don't now. think so. Um, but I also really like uh, the end of that first chapter. It says it was her grandmother talking that Sunday evening when Caesar approached Cora about the Underground Railroad. Yeah, and she that, said no. Three that weeks, whole beginning. Sh- yeah. Three weeks later, she said, yes, this time it was her mother talking. So we learn a lot about her grandmother and her mother um, and how they've influenced her life. Um, So that's the main premise of the story is Caesar has approached Cora and she eventually says yes. And they are running north, um, taking the Underground Railroad. The part that we've gotten to in the story... um, they escaped the plantation. They were able to get away. Um, one, another woman from the plantation tried to come with them, another slave uh, named Lovey, tried to come with them, but she was caught along the way. But Caesar and Cora made it to the railroad and were taken to South Carolina, uh, where they lived, again, like semi-free lives. They were still technically owned by the state, but... Um, worked jobs kind of normally. They had some money. Um, they had new identities. New identities. But uh, it still seemed pretty sinister, and there's a lot of undertones there that we can talk about later. But uh, The part that we've gotten to, though, uh, we've learned about one particular... What would I call it? Slave catcher? Sla- I don't know. Yeah. yeah I, I, would, I feel like he had a title. He's a I, bounty hunter. Uh, uh, yeah, Knight I Rider. But I, well, did there he was some start as? I, they might be different. Like he kind of they call him a slave catcher, like just generally. Yeah, yeah. And I know they used Knight Rider too for some of that. Yeah, right. I don't know if that was his title though. Oh, okay, but um, Ridgeway, right, mm-hmm. is his name. Um, so we've learned about him and sort of how set he is on catching the slaves that have gotten away and haven't been caught by anybody else, um, and. Right at the end of the section that we read, it seems like him or like the other Knight Rider, somebody has made it to South Carolina and they know where Cora and Caesar are and they know who they are. And Cora just like narrowly escapes through her Underground Railroad liaison, Sam. Um, But she doesn't know where Caesar is. And she is in North Carolina now, which is much worse. (laughs) Oh man. God. Yeah. Um and she's Brutal. hiding in an attic where we left off. So there are a lot of different places that we could start. Was that a pretty decent summary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Feel good about that? <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of different things we could start with. Um I wanted to first go through so obviously like the premise of the novel is that there's a modern twist kind of on the Underground Railroad or like I I keep kind of wanting to call it magical realism, but I don't think that that's an accurate word to describe it. But um, 
the the actual railroad the physical railroad i don't think is the only modern twist in the story um from different interactions and different things like themes that have come up so i didn't know if you guys also noticed that or if there's anything you want to talk about with like modern interpretations that are weaved into this very very old story does that make sense Mm -hmm. it makes sense I might need your idea. I can start. It's very specific. So, so I took I took a picture of one section. Like when she's in the doctor's office and talking about like autonomy over her own body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the medical stuff stood out to me a lot, but I don't really know the history of. That's the thing that I wanted to ask was like, I don't know if that is, maybe it's not a modern idea, but a lot of her internal dialogue there where she was like, is this right? Like, can they do this? Can they tell me? Like, that yeah. seemed very modern mm-hmm. to me. Like yeah. the phrasing of yeah. like how she had framed her ideas. Yeah, yeah. and also just I like the doctor saying, "Have you ever thought asking like a black woman, a black like basically a a freed slave, like, have you ever thought about birth control? Like, I don't know. The the concept seemed very new, like modern. The phrase mm-hmm. birth control, mm-hmm. I seems more. I don't. Yeah. Well, especially in regard to some of the waves of feminism when they were talking about like in the like 50s and 60s when it started to become mainstream for those conversations to occur like that felt like I don't know in previous readings of certain things where like people were still shocked at that time. It's kind of crazy to like have that in this story that has a similar vibe to how it's presented in other media like one that I can recall is like in Mad Men when Peggy goes to the doctor's office and it's like a similar vibe where he Mm -hmm. comes and approaches her about it and. Like, it, I feel like that scene took me to that, like, just something that I had experienced previously, and so, like, it had that modern twist in that way, because I'd never pictured it at a time like this. Yeah, the the tone, the, the, it's, it's interesting to contrast those two scenes, because, like, the tone is very different. Like, it's, they're almost, it's almost like it should be, the tone should be swapped, because I think in Mad Men, when Peggy goes to the doctor, doesn't she ask, and he... Does he, like, judge her for it? Or is this different? He definitely judges her. So, like, because kind of, like, when you asked for birth control, it meant you were trying to have sex before marriage, presumably, and, or just not get pregnant, have sex without getting pregnant. And he kind of judges her hard for it and is basically just like, why would you want to do that? That's slutty. But, like, it feels like different, it, the, the tone feels different when this doctor is asking Cora, um... You know, it, it almost it feels very forward thinking. It feels very like he. It doesn't feel like he's judging her, but then it gets very insidious. Yeah, well, that's very the thing. fast. At and the so beginning, you're just like, it's oh, not. I was like, this is so. What what's yeah. going on? He's offering her birth control, and I was Definitely. like, this is. I was like very set up for uh, a stressful. Uh, I don't know a stressful moment when like you learn what's actually happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was I, a v- weird juxtaposition. Yeah, I guess I just like I came away from that moment being like hmm how do I, I guess I think about like author's purpose and I'm thinking about like Colson Whitehead choosing to write this novel um that I feel like he's trying to get a, across a lot of very modern ideas but in this framework and he could have used a lot of different frameworks to do that um but that just like stood out to me a lot of like why this moment like why is this the choice I like it. I just, I don't know. I thought it was so interesting, just being like, the choice is yours, of course. Of course it is. It, like, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it was an interesting, um, uh, like, a, an interesting commentary of, like, uh, reading 
almost I it almost made me like a little um I don't know uh incredulous to like read this happening almost just like we still like the commentary is like we still don't like it seems very absurd but like we still don't have uh like there's still stigma attached to like women's bodies and autonomy and birth control and like I think maybe the implication is like we should be free of all of that like it's crazy and like like it's it seems weird at this time and like it shouldn't seem weird now in the present and like there's still stigma attached to it so Mm -hmm. I don't know I I think that there's commentary surrounding that I don't know if we're nailing it but yeah again like I don't I don't want to I don't know anything (laughs) (laughs) I clarify (laughs) I don't know anything but also beyond that and like we can keep thinking if there are other moments that you guys thought had kind of a modern overtone but with the railroad itself why do we think that happened why did we why did he choose that what is the purpose like the physical rail yeah (laughs) i mean i think that it just helps create like the ability to play with the historical aspect of it i think a lot of times if you're writing historical fiction and you're too much trying to stay within the actual factual like circumstances I feel like it's easier to like invite people to nitpick the things that you're writing about. I think in this instance it does kind of help to like let you know that hey, this is like still a fictional thing, so like take it from that standpoint. You can make the rest of the story malleable and has like a grounding in the fact that it is fiction. Um, but still tied enough to real things that he can like have that commentary. I think that that was part of what I was thinking about it is like it does allow it to distance itself because sometimes with historical fiction novels, there's just so much effort into trying to make it as accurate as possible. But the fact that there is this removal from you know a one for one interpretation, I think that helps. For him, maybe even his storytelling. Obviously, I don't know, like, getting into his head, but that may be something that's helpful to have that overarching part of the story. And maybe, like, to your first comment, too, he's using that as, like, hey, I am modernizing this and I'm putting different ideas such as autonomy. Like, if that wasn't there, maybe people would take it to literally historically and not be open to the interpretations Hmm. that you found, Yeah, you know, in the beginning. Like, he's wanting us to pick up on those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think too that like there might be an element of um, showing uh, that like obviously the the experience of like these two runaway slaves is like incredibly unthinkable in like under normal circumstances under their own normal or the the um, the way that it actually happened with just like no actual train and it's like even with a, an actual underground train, like, he's laying it out for us. Like, it was still literally impossible for mm-hmm. them to just survive. Yeah. And, right. like, <clears throat> and like, that's, that was really powerful to, for me to, like, read, like, oh, like, there's a train. Like, they can go wherever they want to go. Like, they can do, you know, like, it's an extensive network of 
and he's laying it all out for you and it's just like oh no mm-hmm. like yeah. white people were still are still the worst mm-hmm. like and it's still really it's still um, hard and like like the unknown is still emphasized of like you're gonna get on this train and like i can't tell you where you're going yeah, yeah. or yeah i don't know where i'm going I, i'm just supposed to operate the train like there's still so many unknowns and uh and it's still unthinkably difficult for them um to try to just make their way and survive and live like uh even with like semi-modern transportation and like i think that that was really powerful for me to realize yeah that's yeah that's that's, a good point uh you saying that actually does help highlight that point that it is crazy that like there is so much more of a like tool for them to use and it is still that hard like i guess you know when you phrase it like that it makes it even more unthinkable about how people could have possibly done it without a real train like to to just they they walk like juxtapose (laughs) that like these people like anybody that had taken the train you know they still were getting caught or Mm -hmm, like there mm -hmm. were still issues even at the end of the section that we had like the train had its own faults where authorities had been kind of tuned into it and that was with like the ease of people having that access already but yeah i think juxtaposing that is just like an insane thing to be like even with this this huge advantage that they have they still it was still so hard to make that happen like think about those moments where he's writing about cora waiting on the train and how terrified and the darkness enveloping her and just like even Mm -hmm with that like that was her feeling without him when it came she felt like that relief but it was still terrifying because he's like i'm a kid i don't know where i'm going and yeah you know what i'm saying like she was and that was a relief to her from the darkness and the just so lonesome and right isolated mm-hmm. yeah without caesar or knowing anyone there so. yeah oh. yeah the very like literal isolation yeah the moment where sam's house is burnt down oh, and my she's God. just like stuck there she doesn't know when a train and she is like doesn't come. come up she can't surface for like no days because she doesn't know who's still searching like the area yeah. like yeah. she doesn't even know what's above she doesn't know like if she opens i was picturing her like trying to open a little yeah and it's still and yeah. there's around. like nothing there and then she just like because i she just had no idea like yeah i, I do like that within the context of the actual railroad that throughout the story he still did a really good job of like depicting people's mindsets that were a part of the actual real underground railroad and that isolation that they had because you know there would be an ease to like move away from that side of the story but we still have like that isolation with her trapped in the uh under the burning house with her in the attic where we're at currently i'm glad that that is still very much a factor of the story because obviously that was the main part of the real underground railroad is people kind of waiting it out in isolation in certain instances because they had no other choice but i'm glad to see that it's still like a significant factor even though like that big of a portion of the underground railroad has changed in this context Mm -hmm. i um right before we started reading this uh, saw a thread on Twitter about this guy who was like in a college course where they had to read this book and there was like a lecture one day where they were talking about Colson Whitehead and this thing and like halfway through the lecture the one guy raised his hand and was like I just I don't think it was an actual railroad <laughs> well spotted <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure it wasn't an actual railroad this guy thinking that he had like discovered this 
I think Colson Whitehead's kind of an idiot. Play it off as a joke. Like, just someone laugh and help him out. <laughs> Good one, Kyle. No, no but for real. Right? Was there just, was there just silence? On. Like, I want to know what happened. Like, in what, what did the professor say? Just like... <laughs> like oh sweetie, uh, could, you, could you just quietly exit? I'm gonna need you to leave the room. You've missed the entire point, <laughs> spectacularly. Uh, yeah. So um, astute. <laughs> I agree. I really like. I think it's a cool um, method to tell the story and like uh, an interesting way to keep it moving quickly. Yeah. I guess also is like like just like from a writer's perspective of like this makes this a little easier yeah, for that, me and it to does, be like yeah, to progress they get the story. to South Carolina um, and it protects the main character you know like the mm-hmm. longer Cora yeah yeah, yeah. So. but let's talk about the main characters because um, I like characterization as we discussed last time with Vineland <laughs> where Brian's book had no characterization there was <laughs> terrible there were 600 characters and none of them mattered okay. <laughs> Please revisit the episode and, <laughs> and judge for yourself. Um, but <laughs> we've met a lot of different people mm-hmm. so far. Um, is there a character, like obviously Cora and Caesar are the main two characters and we can talk about them, but is there a character that you have particularly grasped onto to be like, I really like this person? Or dislike. Um, or dislike. <laughs> you can also talk about being really angry about a character, but I start positive. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think, and I'm hoping that this is the the correct name because I think I wrote this down in this instance uh, in relation to Caesar. But I have a note from page 51 saying Mrs. Garner is tight. Um, <laughs> that is in the notes for the story, and I believe that Mrs. Garner uh, was the one that mm-hmm. was Caesar's, I guess, master. That that is true. Oh yeah, correct. It, yeah, it is. Yeah. But but I think like that part was so nice to still show the beacon of light within the story because obviously there is an afterward to this story there is according to american history things got better which blah, 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 blah. Uh, um, but but no, obviously did. obviously yeah. better from this point and and it would have to be with certain people taking the right steps and mrs garner was so adamant about making sure that you know caesar was ready to go when the moment came like she saw it in her mind's eye of like this is gonna happen one day it wasn't like maybe i don't know like she was like this is gonna happen and you're gonna be ready and it was nice to have that in the midst of again going back to what we talked about for the beginning of the novel the generational uh, abuse of all of the slaves and the southern plantations to have that beacon of light even so briefly through Mrs. Garner was nice to break up a lot of the horrors in that instance. And that's an easy one to latch on to, but I think it's important to focus on her, even though she had only a few pages uh, within the story. I'd agree with that. And Fletcher in the same way mm-hmm. as her kind of like working him up and communicating with him and telling him like, this is a thing and I can yeah. make it happen because without those two characters, I mean that without those two, would, well, Cora wouldn't yeah, be in her situation no, either because exactly. Caesar's skills also aided their yeah. journey together mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. it really did set off uh, a chain of events that led to where we are at with Cora currently 
everyone else I'll is talk. terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like I really like Cora and Caesar um, as main characters. I think they're both really interesting. But I also have grasped on. There's been more than once where there's been like a small boy who has more power than he probably showed at that age. Yeah. Who have been really interested. Like the last one was the train conductor who like kind of saves her from South Carolina, who's like a child. And she talks about like he shouldn't be in this position, and he just seems co- sort of like happy go like like eh, it's fine. <laughs> he like stops the train and reverses. Right. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> oh my Whole bad. Moment. There. <laughs> like they, he just seems so innocent, and I feel like there have been more than there's been more than one character like that who's been way too young to have the responsibilities that they have, but they're doing it and doing it well, and it's just the naivety in that I think is so pure and I don't know what I like about it but every time there's there's been a couple characters like that where I've been like oh that they're nice well there's been there there's been the opposite of it too because when we got to the end of this section when Cora has her internal monologue about one of the children in the park Mm -hmm. uh where she was saying that she saw so many similarities to this boy who was uh contributing to the atrocities at that time and saying how they could have had a similar path up until a certain point. And it, I like showing the development of them and like how they could end up in those situations. And like kind of highlighting the importance of like the surroundings and the lessons to children because they are so absorbent to their surroundings. So mm-hmm. I think I like that aspect of it too, but there were a lot of young boys yeah. <laughs> with, a lot of young boys with significant uh, contributions to their surroundings anybody else do we want to talk about Cora or Caesar or do you just want to get angry I uh, admire Cora's um, I don't even know what the word is like she has like a a confidence that I like a lot and even like her kind of um like compassion that she exhibits right at the beginning when um who's getting big Anthony is getting somebody no. it's one of the young boys It'll, that she references yeah, and Randall boy. I think Terrence or Terrace or Terrence mm-hmm. one of the slave masters is beating mm-hmm. beating somebody terribly and Cora just steps in and throws her body I mm-hmm. think in between and uh, it was just like a really um, kind of a um, like a beacon of a little bit of her light like just thrown into this like terrible scene also like at the beginning it's there's he kind of beats you over the head with how terrible like all of the um, like just a bunch of atrocities all at once um, and like it's shock value and it works um, I mean it <laughs> it all actually happened too so like right. it was just a bunch of real stuff all at once Um and I don't know. I know that you're that like moment is supposed to make you like Cora, and it worked for me. <laughs> like I just I just admire her, mm-hmm. uh, and um, I think she once she like <clears throat> starts learning, um, she it, it uh, she starts learning to read um, later uh, when they get to South Carolina um, just a little bit, and it, it gives her this confidence that um, I think kind of gives you like a glimpse of um, how how like lucky she feels to have been able to like learn to read even just a little bit um and how much confidence that gave her and how like how even just like that like learning just a little bit gave her um you know like just a few more tools in her like toolbox 
Um, and you can, I don't know, I could feel uh, her confidence coming through after that. Speaking of her reading, there was a part that I uh, took a picture of that I really liked, uh, where she's talking to Miss Lucy um, in the dormitories, and they're talking about the, like, number 40 dormitory is special, and Miss Lucy says, we're optimistic, like, about them being fine someday. But Cora, her inner Both. monologue is like, Cora didn't know what optimistic meant. She asked the other girls that <laughs> night if they were familiar with the word. None of them had heard it before. She decided that it meant trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I liked she decided. That's what that <laughs> meant. That's what she used means. context clues. <laughs> I, just, I thought that was such a nice moment. Um, but also talking about a thing that's very bad that we learn more about later. Yeah. Oh. I would agree. I think that Cora just has a spirit that a lot of the people on the plantation lack. Like the day of the hatchet is one of my favorite mm-hmm. excerpts in this and how she like severs this dog. <laughs> it's like going against this massive intimidating I man and that's just like her confidence. Felt very bad for the dog. Oh, I no. was, she didn't kill I was, the dog though. I know right? he she like cut his tail off. I was though. fearing the worst. I was fearing that she was going to kill I the also dog. thought but she, then she didn't really get the plot either, so it wasn't. Yeah, she has her. She stump did for a little bit. For a tiny bit. For a bit. little bit. But yeah, Cora and the hatchet always a good moment. In the hatchet, always. And the hatchet was a good supporting character. <laughs> Everyone in the hob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get angry. Let's Who do, do we it. want to talk about? Let's talk about travesties. Let's talk about bad people. Can we talk okay. about the museum <laughs> yes. situation? I, yes. I was also what eager to talk f- about the yes, museum. we can talk about the museum. Well, I want to know how true that actually was, if those I, were jobs of the era. Like, I looked it up and could not find much, because I was also really... That also struck me as like a modern yeah. kind of like twist. Right. Because um, there are Which like live well museums. But, but the thing that is, though, like that I was, I was just like, this seems like a horrifying, like, uh, violation of human rights, and then I was like, "But I wouldn't put it past us. <laughs> like I, mean, I wouldn't put it past literal us. slavery, right?" So, <laughs> but I mean, but I mean, like, just to like actually, even in like a state, like a very quote unquote progressive state that they were in, where they were just mm-hmm. like, "Hey, like maybe we think your people like kind of," uh, and then they like do the thing where she had a job, and then they were like, "We think that you would be really good for this, um, this new job," and they train her to like be. Um, basically, like a like a model kind of a type. Yeah, yeah. Don't they call say it actor? So Do they say the word? She's, they're, they're, she's kind of an actor in a museum. I think they say she's acting, but I don't know if they call her an actor. Right. Well, I, I thought they literally said like type. that was yeah, type. it's yeah. type, and like that's so brutal that even within those instances where like all of the black people are freed to some degree that there's still like a name being put on them within these free jobs. Like yeah, it's something that they can't escape from. And they're being from. like mocked. Like yeah. he's doing part. it. Just, he's doing it under the guys, the, the, um, I, I don't even, the curator of the museum. I don't know. Um, is doing it under the guise of like, we, we need to show, you know, people what the experience was like, um, you know, of, coming over on a slave ship and working the plantation and all this stuff and then these these actors these types go in and do it like behind the glass along you know like being equated to like literal um mannequins who are also in the case with them 
Uh, and um, and it was really telling when, uh, you know, that they didn't give a shit when Cora was like, um, you know, this is actually wrong. This isn't this isn't actually what it was like. Uh, and he was just like, yeah, we get it. Well, like, like it would be too unpalatable otherwise. For and the also like see. space. We don't have enough space for a cotton field. Right. Like, like I, there I, isn't so, room like, to show. <laughs> yeah, it was it was all all around just like uh, one of those. Um, I don't know. I think. Uh, the author does a really good job of um, of kind of building up your own spirit as the reader and being like, okay, like this cautiously, like she's like working and she's learning and oh, a, a new job for her. And then it's just like, absolutely, this no. is terrible. And it was like the work, it was just... I don't know. So demeaning to read about. I, I, he's been good about that in multiple situations. So I've loved it because yeah. even with like those instances where the train, like we were all laughing about it, where he backed up, but like the first sentence that we see is the train drove right by her period own paragraph, like one sentence paragraph. And you're just like, are you kidding me? Are you shitting right. like, me? <laughs> like he's, he's so good at, at doing that in multiple instances. And, and in some cases it's in a long form way. Where in South Carolina, it was like this incredibly mm-hmm. long buildup to this eventual decline. Like, he's done that in multiple instances, both in, like, things being negative and then having a positive outcome and things building up very positively and having a negative outcome. I think there's been notable, like, multiple notable instances of him doing that. And so <coughs> Colson Whitehead, like, props for being able to do that. Because I think I've had, specifically with that train section, I remember I, like, opened my mouth. I was like... What? Yeah, you're like, you serious? Oh, no. Like, <laughs> she's gonna die. Like, he here. did it well enough to give me like a visceral reaction. Yeah. So, like, props yeah. to Colson Whitehead yeah. on like writing it well enough where it doesn't feel like cheesy. It's like, oh my god, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, just kidding, it's fine. Like, I like that he did that well. Mm-hmm. I think along like with the museum and the thing, I took from that is she was only definitive about her own experience, and she didn't know about. She was like, I don't think the slave ships were like this. But it doesn't seem right or add up because, mm-hmm. like, Ajari and Mabel, like, they mm-hmm. weren't there to, like, relay that experience. Yeah. Somehow, like, whitewashing history, like, using African-American people. Like, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, just, like, it was just, like, happening, uh, like, in real time. Like, you know, trying to, like, tell the story through, like, a, a white person's lens that mm-hmm. was, like, palatable enough for, like, the people who came and saw. Um, and also telling that all of the white people in the story were mannequins oh too. right like, yeah no, there was, were no white people yeah. working and they're in those not cases that day. like i think part of the reason that they're mannequins there is because you don't want to see the person that looks like you mm-hmm. like as a patron of this museum like actually doing this terrible terrible thing. things Captaining like they don't want to like oh, right. see them being doing atrocities committing atrocities um right that wouldn't sell tickets yeah no (laughs) so we can see the black people moving and like it's like a weird like zoo like it feels yeah keeping people safe to like even those that are more timid in those instances to pass those judgments along as cora showed and like props to cora for also taking things into her own hands with her death glare (laughs) um but like it just showed that instance where a lot of more timid people were just kind of like banging on the glass because mm-hmm. like it's a safe place to do it. I'm sh- like obviously throughout the country those prejudices were there, but in those instances even like the timid could participate whereas mm-hmm. in some of the other instances like with the Randall plantation, obviously those guys are evil and brutal enough to do that out in the open and like commit those atrocities, but not everybody has that personality type for it. Thank God, but 
they they still are able to do it in that instance too, which makes it even uh, worse in that situation because it's just allowing uh, those prejudice, prejudices to be acted out uh, by anybody. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We were all yes. nodding. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, this is a side note, and we don't have to get into it, but I was you mentioned the Randall Plantation. I was thinking about the dichotomy between the two Randall mm-hmm. brothers, um, and there's, like, one small detail about the the more timid one, <laughs> whose name I It's not um, Terrence. Who's James it? or something with a J? Maybe, maybe? James. It is um but there's like one weird detail about him where she talks about he leaves a lot and then she says like i don't understand why somebody would want to be in chains and it's like saying Mm -hmm. that he has a weird kink and it was the funniest moment to me like and like kind of a lot of weird kink doesn't he say he goes out a lot with different women and and he yeah he (laughs) likes being chained up and that was, it was such a subtle, like, it, we moved on from it so quick, and I was like, oh, wait a second. Um, yeah, and also must have just been, like, horrifying for them to, like, witness and just be, like, like, they're, like, making a mockery, like, a kink yeah. mm-hmm. of, like, their very real life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, where they, that which they would escape, like, from which, which they would escape. Which, again, is, like, maybe a modern, like, maybe be a... BDSM, it probably existed, yeah. but like the idea of it of being like, like, of like actually he's being gonna go up. to like a orgy mm-hmm. and go have this thing, like that feels like a modern idea. That's yeah, that Agreed. struck me as kind of. Uh, um, I mean, like I don't think kinks are modern, <laughs> but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like I remember just feeling very cringy in that moment because it was just like you know she was hearing about this person like very much making like a mockery of like the life she was living and was just like something that from which she would like very much escape like immediately so yeah. like, somebody is like, like I would voluntarily never willingly choose yeah okay um well is it time for final thoughts or yeah final thoughts things that we uh, are looking forward to that's a weird way to phrase that with this book uh, what do we want from the rest of the book what have we enjoyed reading even if it's not a happy experience um, rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 go for it <laughs> final thoughts whoever wants to start I can start um Boom. I don't know how long to go necessarily, but I'm just going to talk about it. I am like, we didn't talk about Ridgeway a lot, but Mm -hmm. he is terrifying to me. And I feel like we're just meeting him. Mm -hmm. Like shit's about to go down with him a lot more. And in like, I want to know more about that and Mm -hmm. him and what is going on there. Cause I think he is kind of complex, like with his dad and the situation of like his childhood and all that, like not in a way where I want him to be a big character but i just want yeah like more he's from, definitely going to be he's more going important to. than he already is yes like yeah a good um, antagonist is like always a positive to me like yeah. a well yeah. a well done antagonist it's yes. better than just having like and a one-dimensional like oh he's evil like it's good right to he went into some, detail to tell yeah. us about ridgeway and why he is the way he is mm-hmm. um the attic is kind of terrifying me as well it's i just don't think it can end well because yeah. of 
his kind of like pre-warnings about well you can't come down here the wife is here and -and so-and-so's here and I just think something it's very ominous and I don't think it's going to end well but I'm really excited to continue like I was really excited to come tonight just so I could read tomorrow because I want to (laughs) I want to know I don't like this attic I don't like um the anxiety of her situation the little windows and the it has been it's awful from the start the that first image of them walking like he stops her the freedom trail look at this yeah that yeah it's bad and then she's kind of looking at the park like oh this is she's getting entertainment yeah Yeah. and then it just turns completely terrible and that's what we're left with so Rating? Yeah. I don't. Are you gonna? Am I? Do I? <laughs> know okay. okay. Pass. We pass on, on the I'm rate. Just giving <laughs> suggestions. All right. Um, I'm. I am also. I'm really liking it so far. I read almost the whole first half on a plane. Um, because I was so into it, just on like one plane ride. And, um, one thing I'm looking forward to, um the author exploring more is like the differences between states um at you know like their different attitudes um towards just like the institution of slavery and the way that they see black people and all of it because so far we've seen georgia south carolina and north carolina and um it was really interesting to see kind of how progressive it was in south carolina and then Mm -hmm. it's so jarring to um experience the contrast pretty immediately um with her introduction to the freedom trail freedom trail um and so i don't know you know how many other states she's going to visit where she's going to go next but um i thought uh it was a i think that one of the the like amazing things about um this rail this railroad metaphor is that like we said um it makes things go a little faster so it's like he's um explaining um you know different states attitudes toward slavery um more in like an accelerated way um and it's uh and it's been really educational um uh yeah that's all yeah i think um just from looking at the table of contents and seeing where the story's gone as well like at the very beginning i did not cheat by looking at well i mean it's there it's at the very beginning (laughs) and like and i like i like the breakdown of each of the sections into uh you know, back and forth between an actual location and then you can look at the table of contents and and see where she's going to go next. And then then (laughs) a character as well. But, but if you look at it, you see the pattern of like, there's a long section in a specific state and then there's a short section of a specific character. And we've already shown how some of those character chapters have created some anticipation to come like with Ridgeway um, so I just think it's going to be interesting to see how each new state changes things because uh, it, it's been so dramatic between each one. Because even with the uh, horrific nature of Georgia, it didn't even touch her coming out into North Carolina and having people hanging from trees on both sides of things. Like there's just different environments that is going to be going through and I think that'll be interesting I think the character chapters especially as we get to know people better um, I think that those will be pretty revealing um, and it'll be nice to dive into other characters that aren't Cora because that is what generally happens none of the character chapters have been about Cora thus far and so having uh, a few more people get fleshed out will be pretty cool um, I think 
I'm excited to see Korra learn more because uh, every single instance that she's had the ability to learn something new, she's really grasped onto it. And so as she continues her journey, I think even if some of those lessons are from horrific things, I think that Korra is going to become such an amazing person by the end. I think that that journey is going to be really re- rewarding in the back half. Um, and so, you know, she's been a great character so far, and I think that that'll be, um, I, I don't know, I, I'm hoping we're going to get a, a good ending. Um, it's, hard to, it's hard to say. Well, since you did, direct us to... <laughs> right. A little bit of a... But, but you never know. Cause you never even, know. Because even at the end of a story where things are seemingly okay, you know, there can be a tragic There can turn. be a relatively good ending, but I don't think that it's going to be an awesome ending. Yeah, that, no. and that's what I'm curious about because, like, when you're talking about how things can turn out to be a happy ending, it's like, well, what do you hope for? It's like, well, things to fast-forward generations in the future where Korra's hopeful offspring are free, but, like, you don't know. And so in the context context of this story and in this point in history uh, i'm curious to see how that goes and so i'm hoping it's a good end for cora whatever that uh, equates to in this time period but i think the journey regardless is going to be incredible so it'll be exciting um i really want to know what's going on with caesar second that and there is a chapter titled Caesar. But some that's of them are flashbacks. But some, that's some of them what are flashbacks. Maybe it's but I still what think yeah. we will learn something. Mm-hmm. I think we'll learn something about where Caesar is at. I think that it'll go back to, like, maybe it'll even like backtrack a little bit to be like, okay, Cora was in Sam's. Like, was under yeah. Sam's burnt down house. What was happening outside of that? Right. Um, I hope that that happens because I'm really interested in as to what happened with Caesar, um, what's going to keep happening with him, because I really like Caesar. I love Cora too, but I might like Caesar Caesar a little more than Caesar. Mm-hmm. I really <laughs> I really wanted them to get together. Like there was they kind did. of she, they yeah, did she not. put the Knicks on that real quick. I know. And he, he found a new he lady. Found he found a girlfriend. what was it? And she was, was like, it, It's fine, I guess. <laughs> was it Mary? Oh. Something with an I M. Know. I don't know. A looker um, according to Sam. So I wanna know what's happening with Caesar um I had another thought that you made me think of and then you kept talking and I don't remember no sorry um. <laughs> it happens it happens um oh I am more I'm interested to learn more about North Carolina we stopped like right in the middle of that section right um so we stopped at I honestly think like kind of an interesting cliffhanger place. Like, it, it was, was perfect. It was. I it wanted was to really turn. Perfect. I'm like, it oh. was a good ending for like our purposes, but we're in the middle of a section, um, and I am interested to see. Danny checks. <laughs> I wanted to know what the last sentence was. No, the last sentence was even like happens. a perfect cutoff. Like it, yeah, it, it was, was a, a good, good leading because it was just like I can't remember the guy's name, but <laughs> the, he gave Jameson, the word. Yeah, yeah, the town hushed. Jameson gave the word. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing that I, like, kind of think is interesting that she notes when, Danny, you were talking about, like, the differences between the different states that they've been in. She, right towards the end of that chapter, notes that, like, she hasn't seen any black people other mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. hanging from trees. Like, she's like, these are, is she, every other state she's been in, like, there's been intermingling in some sense. Mm-hmm. But she's like, I'm watching this thing in the park that seems like the whole town is here and there are no black people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that makes it especially dangerous of like, she can't, 
just can't walk around. She can't hide. Like, she mm-hmm. can't or move. Yeah, she can't. She can't move go any out or breathe. Yeah. Um, which I think is scary and difficult, but will be an interesting read. Um, but thanks, guys. I, w- I want to say this really quickly. I, I saw online um, there is actually going to be a TV adaptation of this book oh. ph- pretty soon. Okay, uh, I think so of all of our books. <laughs> I know I, this is literally on accident. If anybody thinks that we're just following this, like it is, all of them have been on accident because one of them, Hundred Years of Solitude, mm-hmm. in the middle of us reading it, they announced yeah, it for Netflix. It. Um, but it's going to be directed by Barry Jenkins, who did Moonlight. Cool. Mm. Um, yeah. So, oh. so he's doing it. It's going to be for Amazon's uh, streaming service, and so it's just a short series, like I a mini series. They said it's going to be yeah. a, eleven episodes, when? which this is perfect for that. Like, if you right. look at the way oh, the yeah. chapters yeah. are broken down, yeah. like it'd be so easy to, like, just have to chunk it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I yeah. think that like the book is structured so well that like I don't see that being a problem at all. And Barry Jenkins has a good track record, so that'll be pretty exciting. I don't know exactly when i know as of like midway through this year or so um that amazon officially green lighted it so okay. like it's not in rumor territory i think they just got a couple actors on board as well uh, it was something i only saw today so uh, worth looking up before our next yeah, episode but for sure i think that'll be really cool to see how that's done but as i said i think this book is like a perfect candidate for a mini series because it's already chunked up so well as it is so just wanted to throw that out there as uh that's pretty cool pretty cool that we're doing that so uh but for next week we're going to be covering the back half so emily will be joining us again um and we'll be closing out uh, underground railroad and then for the next two episodes after that's going to be danny's pick which is Northwest by Zadie Smith. Have you read any Zadie Smith? I'm not, no. Okay, yeah, I haven't either. <laughs> you look so stressed. <laughs> you haven't, have Do you I have to talk about it? <laughs> I think I've read some of her short stories. She publishes in the New Yorker. Mm-hmm. And you read Crooked Teeth? Uh, white Teeth. Oh, well, yeah, White Teeth. Crooked mm-hmm. Teeth. That's, Crooked. A, that's Death a Cat Death song. Cap song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that'll white be, that'll be uh, for the next couple episodes. Then we have a season finale and uh, good stuff, guys pretty exciting so uh we've reached the end of the episode we've already gotten the uh signature from emily on this one but we need a scat out of here so emily we're gonna pass it over to you literally like a just do it well oh uh, like a a jingle yeah a little so it can be anything anything (laughs) so long (laughs) 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 that's uh out of the box so um (laughs) (laughs) took that in stride we will phenomenal we will catch you next time bye bye